0: Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Air Beach. We're in uh, between series with that in mind. And so tonight in Luke 7, I want to I talk on this subject and I want to preach a message title, In the Middle of Miracles. In the Middle of Miracles. Luke chapter 7, verse 11 is where we're going to be. And it reads this. Soon afterward, Jesus went into a town called Nain. Someone say Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out for her, and he said, Don't cry. And then he went up and touched the bear they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man, this is pretty spooky stuff, sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. And this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. This is one of my favorite stories about Jesus. The story is fascinating. In fact, Luke chapter 7 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. There's four encounters that Jesus has with different individuals that, he, that reveals himself to people in unique ways. Um, in fact, in the next section, uh, John the Baptist sends messengers to uh, Jesus because John the Baptist has been arrested. And because of his circumstance, John the Baptist is in prison. He begins to doubt whether or not Jesus is the Messiah. Have You ever been there? A difficult circumstance caused you to question things about God? I wonder if this is really God. I wonder if this is what it's, he's like. Is he really like this? Why, if he's like, this is going on. And John the Baptist is going through that. He's in prison and he's like, man, is Jesus really the Messiah? And Jesus has this encounter with his disciples and he says, go back to John and tell him that the gospel is being preached and the blind are seeing and the, uh, the deaf are hearing. That's his response. He just basically says, just tell John to relax a little bit. <laughs> The Messiah is here. Look at, look at the, the signs. Well, in this setting, Jesus heals or raises uh, to life a dead boy. Now, to sort of set the scene, because a lot's happening in the story. Jesus is coming with a crowd after he just performed a pretty mar- remarkable miracle. In fact, in the section before, Jesus prefer- performs his first and only long-distance miracle. What I mean by that is Jesus is there, this guy who's a Roman centurion, who's a Roman official comes to Jesus and he says, hey, um, my employee is sick, do you think you could heal him? And Jesus is like, yeah, where is he? And he goes, hey, I I, I don't want to waste your time, I I understand you're a busy guy. He's like, I I too am a a man of authority, When, when I say people do stuff, they do stuff and then also I'm under authority and when people tell me what to do, I do it. And he says, if you just say the word from here, I believe that my employee is going to get healed. And Jesus is shocked. He says, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And he says, go, your faith has made him well. And Jesus performs this crazy long distance miracle of healing this guy's employee. And now from there, a large crowd is following Jesus. Now, this large crowd is is really, like, shocked and in awe and surprised and excited about the miracle they just witnessed. They're just like, oh, my gosh, Jesus performed a long-distance miracle. That's crazy. And the energy as they follow Jesus kind of really wherever he wants to go, they're just like, we just want to see what happens next. That's kind of the idea. Like, this is cool. This guy's getting healed. Jesus is preaching crazy messages. Like, we just want to be a part of wherever Jesus is going. And so this large crowd is following after Jesus. And while this large crowd is following after Jesus, they intersect with another large crowd. So picture the scene, here's Jesus leading the way, hundreds, maybe thousands of people following him, talking about, oh my gosh, did you see that miracle? Did you hear about that? Did you listen to that message? What, this is, I've never heard anything like this, right? The, the energy is probably ecstatic as they're following Jesus. And then they get right outside of a, t- a town called Nain, and another crowd is marching out of the city. This is a totally different vibe in this crowd. In fact, we're told that this is a group of mourners going to bury a young man who's died. Think about that setting, okay? You've got Jesus crowd, pumped, excited, worshiping God, miracles, messages, all this good stuff's happening. And then another group's coming out, going to bury a boy. And these two crowds intersect, These two large crowds encounter one another, and it was the funeral of this woman's only son. And Jesus encounters them in the middle of the two crowds and raises from the dead the son of this woman. But before this miracle, there's a middle. The middle is the pain of loss, the middle is the jealousy of someone else's miracle the middle is the hollow ache of hopelessness and for many of us we live in the middle of miracles in between what god can do and our current situation in the middle of what god we know god is capable of we know who god is we know what he does we know the type of things that he can do in our current situation and we live so much of our life in the middle have you ever been there feeling like the middle of a miracle, like when is it going to happen for me? I see it happens for them. I feel like they're being set free or they're experiencing some calling or they're experiencing clarity in their life and here I am in the middle. And imagine this scene. Here comes this crowd that's witnessed the miracle. Man, Jesus has been so good for them. Jesus has been so good for that person. And then here comes this woman going to bury her Her only son. Maybe that's where we find ourselves, in the middle, in the middle of what you're praying for, in between what God can do in your current circumstance. But this teach this story teaches us some important concepts about God and the way He works. The first thing that you that we see is that miracles are means to an end. Miracles are means to an end. Now, the scene, like I said, that precedes this story is Jesus healing the employee of a Roman centurion. He was wealthy, he was influential, he was powerful, and yet, listen, he didn't have what it takes to heal his employee. All of his money, all of his power, all of his authority, all of his influence couldn't heal his sick friend. Because wealth and power and influence can't save you. That's not the miracle. Now, this woman's story is almost the exact opposite of the Roman centurion story. She was going to bury her only son, and she was a widow. In that culture, women didn't really work, and the husbands provided for their family. And so if your husband died, you would be dependent upon your kids, specifically your male sons, to sort of be your retirement plan. Right, So if you, were, if you were a woman, you had a family, you were married and your husband died, you, had to, you counted on your son to grow up, to work, and to provide for you and your siblings and the rest of your house. Basically, her husband being dead and her son being dead was basically automatic poverty. This was her future now. Her life, as a result, after this funeral possession, after the memorial, after the burial, she was going to go back into her life basically knowing, okay, from the rest of my life, I am going to struggle to get by. I'm going to struggle to survive. Her son's dead, and her confidence, her future, her plan, her hopes would have been in these relationships, right? Her marriage, but it didn't didn't, uh, work out. And then her son, and now he's gone too. But Jesus shows up to show her something. Jesus shows up to show her that relationships, listen to me, relationships can't satisfy. And he performs a miracle in her life to point her to the one that can satisfy all her needs. She, you know, in the culture, it would have been like, man, my life is over. It's done. Why? Well, because my husband's gone and my kids are gone. My life is over. And Jesus shows up to show her that that relationships can't satisfy, but a relationship with Jesus can. He wants to transform her perspective. And we live in a culture that says relationships are what you need to be happy and content. You must constantly fill your day with followers and friends and romantic relationships. If not, if you're not constantly bombarded with human contact and relationships, you will live a meaningless and second-class life. And relationships, listen to me, are a huge blessing, and I think they're an essential part of life, but they make terrible gods. Humans and relationship makes terrible gods, because even the best relationship, it may not last forever, and it will never give you all that you need. Listen, only a relationship with Jesus can bring peace and contentment in your life. Listen to Colossians 2 verse 9. It says this, For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you, speaking to the reader, you and me, you are complete. Everyone say complete. Complete Complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Listen, if you take two broken people and you put them together, you don't get a whole person. You get two broken people, right? If you take somebody that's messed up and broken, and you take another person that's messed up and broken, and you bring them together, do not think it's gonna solve your problems. Whenever, we do, whenever I do like marriage counseling with people or premarital with people, I say, don't expect your problems to go away when you get married. Problems aren't solved when you get married. Problems are exposed when you get married. When you get married, you think like, oh my gosh, it's just going to be wonderful. Uh-uh. It just shows everything that's wrong with you. You, you, th- you think you think about yourself a lot? Get married and realize how much you actually think about yourself. It's crazy. Marriage just exposes, deep relationships just expose problems in you. And the messier the individual is, the messier the relationship. Relationships don't solve problems. And I think for so many of us, we think, okay, well, once I get to this, once I have this experience or I have that relationship or I meet the one, if they're even out there, my life will finally, I'll be like whisked away into happiness and joy. Listen, relationships can't satisfy. It's not enough. Two broken people do not make a whole person. And this woman was heartbreaking for the loss of her son and the disappointment for her life. And listen, Jesus shows her that he is the provider. He is the comforter. He is the deliverer. We can't place our hope in people only in Jesus. And even though this woman had lost it all, she was about to meet Jesus, and Jesus can change it all. I think it's important if you find yourself in the middle of a miracle, you're praying for something. Miracles are means to an end. In other words, they are designed to get you to look to him. The point of this encounter with this woman was not just to raise her son from the dead so that she could have a retirement plan. The point of this miracle was for her to meet Jesus. The point of this miracle was for her to encounter the one that can change it all because who knows what's going to happen 5 years, 10 years, 15 years from this moment. But Jesus never changes. And so the point for her was not to just get her son back, but for her to encounter Jesus and be welcomed into relationship with God. And listen, if you're praying for a miracle, know that the miracle is not the end. The healing is not the end. The freedom is not the end. All of that is a means to an end for you to encounter Jesus, who is the reason you live. And it's important for us to understand that and see it. Miracles are a means to an end. The second thing we see is that miracles are on God's time. Miracles are on God's time. We have such a powerful and tense situation in this story. Jesus is leaving Capernaum which he performed a miracle and following him as a massive crowd that witnessed this miracle. This crowd would have been buzzing. They would have been excited. They would have been uh, over ecstatic about what they just saw. Maybe they're still talking about the miracle or processing the sermon that Jesus gave. It would have it would have been electric. You ever been in an atmosphere like that where it's just like it feels like the roof is going to come off? It's like I, I, Hannah and I went to a Laker game one time in L.A. And this was maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago. And uh, there was a player, I think he's retired now, but his name was Meta World Peace his real name was Ron Artest right that's his yeah and uh, he he was like he would fight people in basketball games like he was kind of a horrible person but he changed his name to meta world peace because he's like new identity meta world peace he wasn't very good at this time he's kind of like over the hill but whatever the case the Lakers were up by a bunch when we were at this game and they put meta world peace in in the game and within like Two minutes, he had four fouls, which is a lot in basketball. And uh, he had four fouls and he shot, and and people, like every time he fouled somebody because the Lakers were up by so much and, and the game, and like meta World pieces in, the the room just got louder and louder. Like he was fouling people and people were like yeah! Like literally going nuts. And then it was like the end of a quarter or something and he shot a three. And it almost went in. It didn't go in. But it, if it would have gone in, like he had him missing, and the roof almost came off the building. If, that, if he would have made that shot, I think Staples Center would have, like, collapsed. The people were going nuts. It was like a playoff game. It was like some rant. They were, I, do you remember who they were playing? Like the Sixers or something. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Like the atmosphere is just buzzing. You know what I mean? Just electric. You can feel it in the room. Like what is going on? That's that crowd. Jesus is performing miracles. And I don't know if you've ever, ever gone to a funeral or memorial, but that is not the atmosphere. It is, it is, it is, the pain is thick. It's almost palpable. You can, you can, you can cut it with a knife, it feels like. There's just so much stillness and, and tension and, and heaviness. And if they're not believers, I've done a few funerals for people that aren't Christians. And the hopelessness you can almost feel. And here, here are these two crowds interact. Jesus may, may be leading the way, and these crowds interact. But this wasn't an accident, right? This wasn't like, oh, huh, what a coincidence! These two crowds connect. Jesus has a plan. These two crowds intersected exactly at this point on purpose because Jesus had a purpose. He shows up right in this tension, one celebrating, one mourning. Ten minutes earlier or later, Jesus would have missed the funeral, but he shows up exactly at the right time because he wants to show something to this lady. Listen, and it's in the tension of loss and life that Jesus does a miracle. It's in this tension of loss and life that Jesus does a miracle. We need to know that God does things in his time. Maybe you've been praying for a miracle. Maybe you've been waiting for God to do something in your life. Maybe you have a desire for God to place a clear call on your life or give you direction, and you feel stuck in the middle. Can I encourage you that God is always on time and always provides exactly what we need? It may not be the way we want or when we want or how we want or what we thought it would be, but God's ways are always best. Maybe, maybe you feel like that. You, are, you feel like it's completely hopeless. It's gone. I thought it was gonna be like this, and now it's never gonna be like that. I can't imagine the hopelessness of this woman, right? She's thinking uh, actually, the perfect story is when Lazarus dies. You guys know the story of Lazarus? Jesus is, is a, a, a few days' journey away. Somebody comes to her and t- comes to him and says, Hey, Lazarus is sick. Will you come heal him? And Jesus says, "Yeah, I'm on my way." Waits three days before he goes. Lazarus dies, <laughs> and then he gets there, and they're like, "Dude, if you would have been here when we told you, he wouldn't have died." And they're like, "I, I don't get it." And then Jesus says, this, "This," he says, "He's not dead. He's sleeping." Everybody laughs at him. I'm like, "No, he's he's dead. We buried him. He's been in the grave for three days." And Jesus shows up exactly, exactly when he wanted to show up, exactly at the right time, performs a miracle. Lazarus is raised from the dead. And it's this powerful display of his power over the grave. But Jesus isn't early, but he's not late. Jesus is always right on time. And it's important for you to understand that whatever you're praying for, God's timing is always right. The final thing is this. You guys with me? Miracles show us that God's love for us outweighs our faith in him. Miracles show us that God's love for us outweighs our faith in him. The last thing I want us to see is why Jesus and this this woman meet. In the section before, the Roman centurion w- went looking for Jesus to heal his employee. In fact, he sent people to go find Jesus and compel him, urge him, basically beg him to uh, uh, come back and heal the Roman centurion. And in fact, so much so that he asked some of the religious leaders, the Roman centurion who he know, knew, um, to go to Jesus and basically uh, uh Give like like vouch for the Roman centurion. The Pharisees came to him and say, like, hey, we actually know this guy. He's a really good guy. And he deserves you. He he deserves for you to go and heal the Roman centurion. That's the story. So these guys are like, hey, this guy, like we 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 got his back. He's a good guy, heal him for him. Does that make sense? They sort of vouch for him. And so Jesus goes, he encounters him, and and Jesus in his in end response is I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Like, your faith, this is incredible, and I'm gonna gonna heal this, this person for you. This story, once again, stands in contradiction or opposition to the other story. It's not what happened for the woman. This woman was not looking for Jesus. We read nothing of this woman's faith. In fact, she never says a word in this story. Nothing. She doesn't come to Jesus and be like, oh my gosh, thank you, you're here. We're going to bury my son. Do you think you're, I mean, I've heard about you. I know you can perform miracles. I mean, you just performed it for that guy. Do you think you could do something for me? Like my son, I've got no future. My husband's dead. Like, could you help me? Nothing. She doesn't say a word. In fact, Jesus just goes up to her and he says, don't cry. Now, let me tell you, that is the worst thing. And I'm not, I mean, it is the worst thing you could say to somebody that just lost somebody else don't cry. Are you kidding me? This is the reason to cry. This is why we cry. This is the moment. Jesus says two words to her, don't cry. I'm like, Jesus, that is so insensitive. Read the room, man. Like, I know your crowd is all excited and and it's all cool, like woohoo miracles, but this, this person's dead. Don't say don't cry. She never says a word to jesus and yet jesus still does the miracle and the reason is because jesus had compassion on her the word compassion that's used in this text it means to me move to one's bowels it's literally the word to feel it deep in your gut you know i think we often think about emotions we talk about emotions in our heart like we we feel stuff there the, the Hebrews would talk about it in their stomach or in their bowels because that's where they felt. I mean, that's where we feel emotion, right? We feel butterflies in our stomach. We feel fear. We feel excitement. Jesus was moved with compassion it's to feel something deeply. And even though we know nothing about this woman or if she even had any faith in God at all, Jesus performed a miracle. The miracle happens because of Jesus' love for this woman. He wanted to impact her life and future because he's good and because he's compassionate. He felt and he cared. But his compassion wasn't just feeling sad for her. Jesus just didn't go like, oh, man, I feel for you. I'm so sorry about that. That's so hard. Let me just sit with you. Let me be quiet with you. Let me stand here with you. His compassion led to action. Jesus says two things in the story. He says, don't weep, which is compassion. right? Don't weep. I, I don't think Jesus was saying it insensitively. Jesus is saying ho- it hopefully, don't weep. But if that's all he said, it would have been incomplete. It would have been, it would have been yeah, I'm, I'm there with you, don't weep. I'm sorry for your loss. That would have been it. But Jesus' compassion led to action. The second thing he says, the only other thing he says in the story is, young man, I say to you, get up, action. Because his compassion, it led him to act. And listen, Jesus' love for you is not just in word, it's in action. Jesus doesn't just feel love for you. Jesus doesn't just like, man, I care about you and I love you from a distance and I really hope it works out for you. Like, I love you so much, and I got all the butterfly feelings for you, and I really love you, man, and I just really, I'm, I'm sending lots of thoughts your way, man. What the heck does that mean? Sending good vibes your way. Okay. Great. I'm just thinking about you. Well, what are you thinking? Oh, well, I'm thinking... Like, I'm, I'm sending thoughts here. No, no, no. Jesus' compassion leads to action. So much so that Jesus willingly left his throne in heaven and came down to earth and died on a sinner's cross so that you and I could have relationship with a God that we have no right, no deserving of having relationship with. But Jesus' compassion and his love for you led him to action. And let me tell you, whatever your situation is, whatever you're walking through, Jesus doesn't just hope for the best for you. He cares about you. He sees you, and he wants to work in your life and transform your life. Worship team, you guys can come up here. I'm going to close. God does things in our life to get us to see his love for us so that we will trust him with our lives. And listen, sometimes that means the miraculous. Sometimes the situation we find ourselves in and the way God wants to work and the way God wants to get our attention is through the miraculous. And I absolutely believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same miracles that God did uh, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago are the same miracles he can do today. God is the same. God wants to heal. The Bible says that if we pray for one another in faith, that God will and can heal. God is the same. And sometimes the way that he wants to work in our life is through the miraculous. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes the way that God wants to work in our lives is through the miraculous. But again, it's a means to an end. It's to get us to see him and to be in relationship with him. But listen... Like I said, God does things in our lives to get us to see His love for us so that we will trust Him with our lives. That's His goal. Sometimes that means the miraculous, but listen, sometimes that means no miracle. Sometimes the way and the things that God uses in our lives to get us to see His love for us and so that we will trust in Him is not through the miracle, but it's the absence of the miracle. The Apostle Paul, who we all know, right, one of the... Most popular guys in the New Testament wrote a majority of the, the, the New Testament, the books that we read. His, he preached to more people than we can count. He started more churches than we can remember. Like he, this guy, he's done it all. And there's an interesting story. He's talking about some of his own personal experiences and situation. And he says that three times he pleaded with God that God would take away what he called a thorn in his flesh. Now, we don't know what it is could be a sickness it could have been uh, uh, some sort of struggle he felt internally it could have been a pain that he felt it could have been some anxiety or worry we don't know and it's nice that we don't know because we can all relate to some vague thorn in the flesh and he says three times I pleaded with God that he would take it from me and God responds to him and his response is my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. That's God's response. God doesn't come in and say, okay, I'm the surgeon and I'm going to get the thorn out of the flesh. It's not what he does. He doesn't say, okay, you prayed for a miracle. You prayed three times. You, you, you were faithful. All right. You prayed enough. You said it right. You did all the right things. Okay, now you're going to get the miracle. I think sometimes we think that. Sometimes we think that the absence of a miracle means we're not doing something right. Like, oh man, I didn't pray hard enough or I didn't faith enough or or, I've sinned too many times this week and so God's never going to answer my prayers. Jesus responds to Paul and he says, my grace is enough for you. In other words, the miracle, it's not going to happen, you have enough you have the grace of God on your life, you have relationship with him and that's enough for what you're walking through. Again, all that God does is to get us to see his love for us so that we will trust him with our lives. I don't know what you're praying for but can I encourage you that God loves you more than you realize. His plans for you are more perfect than you can comprehend and his ways are better than you can dream up. Place your faith in him and allow him to work in the way that he sees fit to reveal his love for you in every season. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace.